Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Yes, it's season three, episode six of the IonaHoops.com podcast. And I know I've been saying it for weeks now that the season is almost here. Well, now it is. Why can I say this now? Because we are going to preview our opening opponents for this in this podcast. Jordan Majewski joined us in this episode to help us preview Iona's games against Penn and Hofstra. He's a contributor to Mid-Major Madness and also hosts a blog called Staring at the Floorboards. Told you, it was getting real around here now. But now, it's going to get real with my own Iona's. Iona. Iona's. Iona took on Temple in, yesterday in a secret scrimmage, and the team split a pair of 20-minute quote-unquote games, in essence, uh, with Temple taking the first by five and Iona the second by four. This was a great test for Iona as Temple enters the season at 92 on Kempom. Iona's at 116. Uh, Temple is big and physical, so it was a good experience for Nelly for sure. Word is that Quinn Slesinski and Dennis Jenkins were the two best Gales yesterday against the Owls. So, a good effort against a likely top 100 team as a final tune-up. Iona. Iona's. By now, you know that during the Mac Media Day last week, Adam Zagoria took over the friggin' call uh, to stir up trouble by asking Rick Pitino about the state of his lifetime contract with Iona, which has caused most of Gale Nation to fret unnecessarily. But when the conversation turned to hoops, the Hall of Famer settled in with a nice assessment of his roster and schedule. Well, it's been a lot of fun. We, we have a terrific group of guys, uh, young in many respects, and but we have enough maturity because of the transfer portal uh, that... Uh, we have good experience. We have obviously Nelly Joseph Jr. back, uh, Walter Clayton uh, Jr. back. We have uh, certainly Barrick in his fifth year, uh, Jean-Louis. Uh, so we have good experience. We have a newcomer, uh, Danis Jenkins, who is a big-time basketball player. I mean, he could have started for me at Louisville. He's big-time. And we're excited to have him as well. So we have a good team. We have a lot of young players that will develop in time. We we tried to make a very difficult schedule, as you may know, we're probably fifth or sixth toughest non-conference schedule in the nation. But we also limited uh, the month of November. We, we're playing only, I think, four or five games in the month of November to give our young guys a chance to develop. Um, you know, the, the strength of our basketball team is we have four terrific backcourt players. And I, I can't say enough about uh, DJ Danis Jenkins. He's a 6'3 point guard. He's big time athletically, a tremendous basketball player. And, and then we have two seven-foot centers. We have two 6'9 players. So, you know, we have size that you don't see that often in the MAC. And we have a terrific backcourt. If the young guys can improve and blend in with the, with the experience we have, and, and I say this not as a typical coach who always sounds that way, we've got to get through this non-conference schedule. It's a bear. Every team, like when you – we didn't play just an Ivy League opener. We tried to schedule the one of the top two or three teams in Penn. And then we go back a few weeks later and we played a second-ranked team, Princeton, in a neutral site at Keene State. So if we can get by the schedule and still be optimistic and still not get discouraged with a couple of losses, I think we're going to do very well come back time. I think we're going to be a much better defensive team than we were last year. Uh, I think we're still going to be a very good offensive basketball team. Uh, like I said, my only trepidation uh, at all, and it's not great, is is the schedule. Uh, young people have a tendency to get down, and and one thing I we're going to have some bumps in the road with that type of schedule. 
although it was Nelly Jr. Joseph earning preseason first-team All-Mac honors and Walter Clayton Jr. second-team honors, it's been Dennis Jenkins that has been the focal point for Patino this offseason for the Gales, who were, of course, picked first in the preseason poll. Who was picked second by the coaches, you ask? Manhattan. And as you know by now, all hell has broken loose in Riverdale. Steve Mazziello was fired. Mac preseason player of the year, Jose Perez, has hit As a result, so has Hofstra transfer Omar Silviero, so has Samba Diallo, and others are going to follow. So, safe bet the Jaspers won't be finishing second. In fact, it feels more like we already have a, na- a name for the 6-11 game on Tuesday night in Atlantic City. What a turn of events so close to the start of the season. Um, I don't mean to make light of it. It's terrible for the kids. Um, so, hopefully they all find good landing spots, the ones that are leaving. I don't know. Consider this entire season the Rich Enzer farewell tour, but make no mistake, he's going to have a hand in future MAC tournament sites. Responding to questions from Siena beat writer Mark Singles, uh, Enzer noted that the MAC is not locked into the current tourney setup or arrangements. I think we're going to see uh, not just our traditional type bids where we're taking all 22 teams to one site. But we may have bids from other arenas want to take a piece of that. And then we'll have to weigh, weigh that. You know, what's, what, what are our goals? What are our student athletes and coaches want? And what's in the best interest of, for the economics of the league? When you say that some facilities just want to take a piece of it, what, is that, what do you mean by that, uh, Rich? And they may just want to take the semifinals and finals. They may want to take, you know, any, they may want to take eight teams. All things are going to be on the table for discussion. But ultimately, it's going to be what's in the best interest of all the schools and what they want to do with basketball. I do know this much. It's going to stay a joint tournament. We're not going to split the men and the women. That's been decided. But the, So is one possibility like playing early rounds of the tournament on home campuses or something? And then it playing away? Yeah. yeah, any of that's on the table. There's no preference other than uh, keeping the men and the women together. I We've had weigh-ins from the coaches and the uh, players and I think they kind of like the 22-team format on one site, but we're going to see what comes in the door. The Mac tourney setup has often been discussed in this pod, on the Iona message board, on the Mac board, on Twitter. So it's safe to say many folks are going to keep an eye on this process as it continues. It'll be interesting to see. Iona. Iona. The Iona women's team was picked to finish fifth in the Mac led by preseason All-Mac first-team selection Juana Camilion and second-team selection Ketsia Atheus. Here's Coach Billy Chambers on her star duo. I mean, it was obviously exciting to see them picked on first and second-team preseason. Um, watching them lead every day has been so exciting, so uh, comforting as a coach to watch them take everybody under their wing with so many new players that we've added to our roster. Um, they're incredible people. They are hardworking. They love the game. They really have a, an ultimate respect for each other, um, which makes it fun to see develop. Sometimes you can have, you know, your best players who don't quite gel as much as you want them to do, but you just see them working in tandem every day, you know, calling timeouts in practice, communicating with each other, trying to figure out how to make sure that we can be at our best every moment. And it's just really fun to, to sit back and watch them grow and watch them lead. Here's hoping the Lady Gales exceed those solid preseason expectations this season. And now, the offer roundup. 
I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Iona is offered Class of 2023 forward Marcus Marion out of Denmark. The 6'9 forward also has offers from Dayton, GW, San Jose State, and Montana State thus far. You know, if you look for some highlight clips of him, uh, it's going to show him to be a pretty fluid athlete out there. He can score in a whole variety of ways. He runs the floor really well. Um, intriguing recruit. Let's see who else gets involved with him this fall. All right. Let's get into our preview segment of this episode as we take as I take a look at the season openers at home against UPenn on Tuesday, November 7th, and at Hofstra four days later, Saturday, November 11th. Well, we've been hearing all offseason that Patino put together a brutal non-conference slate, and now it's here. And we're going to start things off at home against Ivy League favorite Penn. If you don't know the name Jordan Dingle, you should. The 6'3 junior guard is a candidate for player of the year in the conference, averaged 21 points per game last year. Dingle shot 34% from three, 81% from the line, so he's one of those guys that scores in multiple ways. His backcourt mate is no slouch either, Clark Slackjurt. Averaged about 11 per game last year. In their front court, Penn's top three rebounders from a year ago all returned, led by Max Martz, who averaged 10 and 5 and also was third on the team in threes made, hitting them at 36%. The Quakers have a few other rotational guys returning as well, so there's good experience on this roster. Anyway, no question Penn was a solid offensive team last year, 111th in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. But for comparison, Iona was 80th. Um, but Penn could even be better this year. The Quakers were not very good on defensive end a year ago, 295th per Ken Palm. But they were also missing 6'9 shot blocker Max Lorca Lloyd for most of the season due to injury, and his return should make them a little more efficient on that end of the floor. Penn's outlook this season will likely depend on how much it improves on the defensive side of the ball, but they have the pieces to be a real problem here for the Gales on opening night. Turning to our second game, uh, we now switch to our local rival, Hofstra. Predicted by many to be in the thick of the CAA race this year, the Pride feature yet another player of the year in his league, but one we know a little better, uh, Aaron Estrada. You all remember Estrada from St. Peter's in the past and Hofstra last year. Yep, he's back. 18.5 points, 5.7 boards, 5 assists a game. Just a great, great weapon for the Pride. Player in the year in the NCAA last year, of course, the favorite to repeat. We had a fun game with Speedy Claxton's boys at home last year, if you remember. And now we head to their place in a true non-conference row game. Not many of these on the slate. Anyway, Estrada is joined by 6'8 sophomore forward Darlingston Dubar, who averaged 12 and 5 last year for the Pride. Another couple interesting pieces to watch for Hofstra. How about Tyler Thomas, his transfer from Sacred Heart, who averaged 17 points per game last year. Sounds like a dangerous backcourt made for Estrada. And you want a familiar name you can watch? Warren Williams. Yes, that Warren Williams from Manhattan. Huh, jokes aside, because he transferred in time. Joins the Pride's front court, uh, which is on the thin side after Dubar. So even with the losses to and to graduation, Hosha's offensive efficiency probably shouldn't change much from the 72nd Ken Palm rating it, or it had a year ago. But like Penn... Can the pride improve on the other end of the floor where they were just 218th nationally in defensive efficiency? 
So this game will feel a little bit like the pen game in that regard, but this is a true road game. And well, Iona wasn't a great team in true road games last year. So this will be a nice, but very difficult test uh, to start things off on the road for the Gales non-conference. That's that's my look at those two teams in our two opening games. But now let's welcome Jordan Majewski to the program to get his take. Jordan Majewski is a contributor to Mid-Major Madness and also hosts a blog called Staring at the Floorboards. He's been really, really busy uh, the past couple of months, turning out a ton of college hoop previews. Uh, and he joins us now to preview Iona's first two opponents. Jordan, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So let's start off with your take on our Iona Gales here. Uh, I'll set the table for you here like everyone else in the universe. You picked Iona first. So tell us why. Uh, well, you know, uh, I think a lot of it, has to do with Rick Pitino, and uh, I'm a huge, huge Pitino fan. Um, maybe not so much, you know, personal life, but like on the court, he's as good as it gets um, in my my book. But um, you know, a, a lot of it does hinge on some of the new faces, as I'm sure you're well aware. Namely, um, Jenkins, I think, is the key to the season. Obviously, if he mm -hmm. can be as good as Patino thinks he's going to be, you know, there's not a lot in his past to go on to think he's going to be a, you know, max superstar, but I have faith that he will. And, uh, you know, a guy like Slazinski, um, really putting it all together this year in a more, um, central role, I'd say are probably the two keys in my book for, uh, Iona to stay atop the league. All right. Uh, one thing I noticed in your preview, there's one Gale that maybe you're not quite as high on as some others uh, out there in, in media, uh, and that's Walter Clayton. Uh, you pointed to his erratic minutes, although and it's fair point, but he was a freshman. Are, are you feeling a sophomore jump or you're just not a big believer in it? Oh, no, I, I think that I, I do believe in Clayton. It's just I probably caught some, you know, I didn't see every minute of Iona uh, basketball like like you did, of course. and just what I saw, I didn't come away terribly impressed with, but as you said, he's a freshman. It's, you know, uh, hard to kind of get in the flow with the minutes he saw and, you know, build confidence and things like that. So, you know, um, full summer workout and everything like that. I'm, I'm sure I'm under undervaluing him, uh, as the season begins. So there is one thing that you and I do see eye to eye on. And I think some, I think a good number of people, even Iona fans, I think to some, some of them anyway, might disagree with me on us on uh, lock, lots of folks on the Nelly juniors, Joseph bandwagon and rightfully so as a, as an all around player, but many are starting to sing his praises on the defensive end because of his block rate and actually name him as a candidate for defensive player in the year in the Mac. Heck in my mind, he's not even the best defensive player on Iona. That's Barrick John Luis. Your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Jean-Louis is easily the best player defensive player on the team. Um, I, I think he and Patino kind of, maybe you would know better than I don't see eye to eye a lot of the times just because of his um, minutes fluctuation. But, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, the um, 
defense is his raw numbers and like his um, rates are, you know, great. But I think that uh, he is exploitable in the post. Yeah. And, and I'm people who've been listening to me for a while, are probably sick of me talking about, you know, I think one of the reasons why Iona kind of fell apart down the stretch last year is that Walter Clayton started to take a lot of barracks minutes and that kind of changed the dynamic and who we, who we are. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Nelly can lock shots, of course, you know, there's no doubt about that, but you know, and maybe it's just a product that he was a freshman last year, but he, he wasn't great at establishing a position, wasn't so great at keeping other bigs from setting up camp too, you know, too close to the basket. Maybe yeah. another offseason working with Coach Patino, maybe he improves on some of that. And maybe he is a, a better defensive player than than either one of us are giving him credit for. And I hope it's the case. But yeah, right. I, some of the people who are pegging him as defensive player of the year. Are, I mean, I think it's a little much. Yeah, that's ex- you're, that what you said is exactly um, my point that there's a difference between rim protection and altering shots and being a good positional defender. Yeah. And I think that he's not a good positional defender right now, certainly capable of that. But, uh, yeah. you know, what I saw, I didn't, I, I didn't think he was a very good positional defender. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one of your bigger concerns, and I think I, I other, and, and probably most other Iona fans would say this is a determining factor. Can the Gales shoot the three better than they did a year ago? I don't know. Time's going to tell. Iona was a good team anyway, off and offensively efficient last year, even though they couldn't make threes last year. Is it, you know, is that, was that a fluke or can they get away with it again? Uh, you know, it's, I think in this league, they can get away with it uh, again, but you would obviously love to be able to hit the three and especially uh, per shot quality. They, um, created open threes at the second highest rate in the league. So it's not an issue of like guys are taking bad shots necessarily. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, they had the highest shot selection rating as well for shot quality. So it's just a matter of making these open shots, which is probably the most frustrating thing of all, because (laughs) they're creating the shots. You just have to hit them, you know? Right. So uh, that does give you some hope that, you know, it's not some sort of like program endemic thing where they're not able to create good shots or it's a bunch of guys jacking up terrible shots. The shots are there. The shots, good shot selection is there. Just got to hit them. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's shift gears now that we've, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Let's, let's talk a little bit about anyone's first opponent, which is UPenn. Game is in New Rochelle, uh, first night of the season for everybody. So earlier in this episode, I, I kind of introduced uh, Gale Nation to Jordan Dingle. He's, it's a safe bet. You have seen him a bit more than any of us. I, I think I've seen him play maybe once. <laughs> so tell us about his game and uh, tell Iona fans what we can watch for him. Yeah, he uh, led the Ivy in usage and shot rate last year. And he's, um, <clears throat> if you don't know much about Steve Donahue's offense, it's a very free-flowing motion. Uh, they use... A lot of different screens, a lot of people coming off screens, but Dingle's a different type of player because he can create off the dribble. Um, so their offense kind of shifted last year with Dingle being so so much a focal point. Um, <clears throat> so it's not so that like the Donahue way is he was well uh, before his time in terms of every shot coming at the rim or a three. And so last year it was a little different because Dingle is such a dribble drive centric guard, which isn't really um, 
a fit in the Donahue offense, but he's just such a dynamic offensive player that I think, you know, Steve kind of recognized, <laughs> I kind of got to let this guy do his thing. Um, now, Iona potentially lucked out here. Dingle uh, sat out their exhibition game a couple days ago mm. and uh, was in a protective boot. And Donahue's post-game comments, from what I read, I would say he's doubtful to play against Iona. Oh. Um, yeah, he said it's. it was a really vague statement. But he said that um, it's a foot problem. It could be serious or it could not be serious. But I would just, the way he said it just seemed to me like it's, you know, something they're not going to risk with, um, you know, everything riding in on the Ivy League season. Right. Season. And uh, the Ivies are notoriously tight-lipped with their injuries. It's impossible to find out anything extensive about anyone and Penn had a ton of injuries last year, and no one ever knew if any of their um, front court was coming back last year. Hmm. Uh, so they, so Iona will probably play Penn without Jordan Dingle, and will play Vermont without Dylan Penn. That's right. So uh, you know, <laughs> nice little injury luck uh, for the for the Gales to start the year. Yeah, yeah. So obviously Penn was picked first in the Ivy, pretty much by everybody, <laughs> or at least a lot of consensus generally. Um, Obviously, Dingle by himself isn't enough to do that. Uh, so, with especially with him not perhaps not playing, uh, who who should we watch for? So, uh, another one of their top scorers, Clark Slatcher, uh, also didn't play in that exhibition game, and no word was given on his status. But um, so uh, they went with a huge lineup. So last year, Penn's big problem was their entire front court was injured mm-hmm. almost the entire year, namely uh, Max Lorca Lloyd, who is the key to their season. Like Dingle is their star, but Lorca Lloyd is an above the rim big who um, has had just a ton of injuries his entire um, career at Penn and has rarely seen the floor, but he's a, a difference maker. Um, extremely athletic. They don't have a ton of bigs like that. You know, a lot of bigs in the Ivies are kind of high post bigs or guys who, um, you know, can kind of space out on the perimeter, but uh, Lorca Lloyd is a legit athlete. Um, so they've got a healthy front court at least. And uh, in that exhibition game, Donahue started a huge lineup where their point guard was um, uh, Lucas Monroe, who was six, goes six, six. And so he was their smallest guy on the floor. Hmm. So if that's what he's going to roll out against um, Iona, that's a, a really big lineup. And, you know, Iona's backcourt is projected to be kind of small this year. So that's um, something to look at. Um, <laughs> and uh, I would say their closest comparison to a Mac school is Quinnipiac, the way they run their offense. But again, uh, there's, you know, it's just a lot of motion, a lot of high-low uh, motion as well with the bigs passing to each other. Um, so, Penn's offense could be totally different from what we saw last year, especially if Dingle is not playing and uh, Donahue has his front court intact. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I know Penn's biggest issue last year, like you said, was, was the, the injuries they had in the front court, which really hindered them on defense. It looks like in your mind, if they do stay healthy and like Dingle comes back, everybody's back. 
Um, can they be a good defensive team or you think they top out at average? Where, where, where can they be? It's, it's kind of weird. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of pick and roll in the Ivy league. And so if he's going to have this big lineup, it can be really, um, not something that a lot of Ivy teams are going to exploit. So I think they will certainly be improved defensively from last year and potentially significantly. So. Okay. All right. I think we can switch over to uh, someone that Iona fans uh, do know a little bit better. And that's Hofstra. Uh, I say that even though their rosters had a ton of turnover, but they do return a big time weapon. We do know well around here, Aaron Estrada. So he starts at St. Peter's was goes there as a freshman goes to Oregon. Doesn't do much now settles in at Hempstead uh, in your mind is somebody he's developed over the years. Uh, how has his game evolved in your mind? What's, what's made him to the player he is. Yeah. Just with a uh, steady and secure role, he exploded last year, uh, you know, led the colonial and um, much like Dingle led him in um, shot and usage rates was second in assist rate, a uh, master manipulator in ball screens, um, and that's Hofstra's game. They uh, had a top 25 pick and roll rate nationally. You know, uh, they have typically four guards who can take a ball screen. They had to replace some guys, but they brought in guys like Tyler Thomas from Sacred Heart, who um, came from a similar system, running a ton of ball screens and pick and roll there. Um, I don't know what their plan is for a guy like Juan Carlos. I think they're probably going to start him on the ball more as a, and kind of move Estrada off a little bit. Mm. Um, and then their four guy Darlington um, Dubar is perfect in that system. And a lot of people who follow the CAA closely think he's going to have a monster season as a uh, pick and pop four and someone who can create his own shot at the four as well. So he's a, a real matchup problem for a lot of uh, mid majors and CAA teams. Um, last year, as is the case, they kind of aren't that good in the front court, but they've got another uh, friend of I- Iona transferring mm. in this year um, yep. with Warren Williams coming in from Manhattan. Yeah. Uh, kind of got out of there before everybody else did. <laughs> That's true. Um, so uh, he, you know, you obviously know what uh, Williams brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, he's a, like he's a, he's a more than serviceable big, of course, in yeah. both ends of the court. So that's a, a pretty big, significant pickup for them um, to slot him at the five with four, four out around him. Um, they were a top 40, top 30 ish team actually um, in shot quality matrix and spacing and shot making. So, you know, they can fill it up. Um, and the guy who kind of, burned Iona and made that game closer than it probably should have been last year is gone though. I think uh, Ray hit like six or seven threes in that game. Yep. He was on guard, um, unguardable. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they did their thing in, in pick and roll. They had uh, their pick and roll rate. That game was actually higher than their uh, season long average. So, um, you know, this is a, there's, you know, only one Barrick John Luis. So, uh, mm. And they have four perimeter players. So Iona is going to have to have everybody on the perimeter locking down somebody. Um, but, you know, that's about Hof- Hofstra should contend at the top of the CAA. Everyone pretty much has Towson um, 
slotted in as the team to beat there. Yeah. But Hofstra is a pretty consensus top two, top three pick. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, you know, I was, I, we talked about how good Hofstra is offensively, uh, you know, over offensive efficiency, 72nd. Uh, you know, we know that we know they space things out. Uh, like you said, they, you know, they, they find great ways to get looks from three. Thankfully it's one of Iona's strengths to deny the three. Uh, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, but with the new faces in the mix, uh, do you expect the pride to maybe not quite be as good on the offensive end or is Estrada that good where it may not matter? I think Estrada is that good where it may not matter. And, uh, you know, this guy, like, you know, Thomas is a proven scorer, you know, in a, a lesser league than the Mac and the NEC. Um, but Jaquan, Jaquan Carlos is a guy to watch. He had, um, multiple 90 point games in high school. Mm. So he's been sitting on the bench fighting his time, but he's a legit scorer. So, you know, Estrada, Thomas, Carlos, uh, I don't think they're going to, and then Debar at the four, I don't think they're losing much of anything offensively. And I got the guy that one of the guys they did lose, um, Zach cooks was kind of a, uh, you know, hindrance more than it's a little bit of a, addition by subtraction with him gone, not defensively though. Yeah. He was um, an elite on ball defender. And that's, you know, I don't think this team is any better defensively than they were last year. That and, was my next question for you. <laughs> yeah. Iona really torched them at the rim last year uh, in that game. I think they scored something. Yeah. 1.3 points per possession at the rim last year in that game. Um, so you know, in Hofstra, they were so bad in man-to-man. They went to zone. They had the highest zone rate in the Colonial. They didn't actually play any zone when I look back at the Synergy stats, uh, Synergy box score from that game. But it was so early in the year, I don't think uh, Claxton knew just how bad his team was in man-to-man yet. Hmm. So he wasn't willing to, you know, throw the zone out that early when they probably hadn't been, you know, uh, running it through practice that much. Hmm. Well, see, on paper, the, I feel good about the game, but it's a true road game for us. And we don't really play a lot of those non-conference under Patino. It's a lot of neutral site stuff. Um, so uh, I'm a little worried about it from that perspective. Just, we just the performance on the road, especially against somebody who's going to be amped to, uh, to take out a local rival. So that'll be fun. Uh, hey, Jordan, thank you for coming on to help us preview. I own his two opening games. Uh, everyone, please follow him at Jor Cubs Dan. <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, and you can read all his previews at staring at the floorboards dot uh, He's pretty much previewing every conference, I assume, right? Is that what you're doing? Yep, that's right. Yeah, nonstop. Uh, Jordan, thanks again and enjoy the season, which finally is here for all of us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right, enjoy. Actual games. So exciting. Thanks again to Jordan Majewski for getting us ready for our openers. The adventure begins, people, and I promise it won't be boring. We'll see you on the other side in the next episode. Thanks for listening, and go Gales. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com with publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any featured guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona University Athletics or the university itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.